your friends to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. It's Paul's letter to the Philippian church. So look at uh, chapter 1, verse 6 this morning as our text today. So Philippians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through to 11. Philippians chapter 1, 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to, com- to, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We thank you that it is given for our growth in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that it is inspired by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to open this word, to read it freely and to have it explained. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would bless us as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, here we are today on this first Sunday in 2014. Do you feel young? Do you feel old? How do you feel today? Another year has come in the calendar of our lives. We stand in front of the mirror and it's a reminder. Mm, Boy, we are growing old. Or maybe if you're a young person, you think, well, I'm not really. Chris, I, I can't identify with you. So here we are, another year. A brand new year ahead of us. I wish the ladies this morning in the church hall a happy new year. And someone said to me, it's already five days old, Chris. And that's, how, that's true. And I did mention this on Christmas Day. I said, wait for the hot cross buns to come out soon. And, well, Rose went shopping and she brought hot hot cross buns yesterday, I think. It's already out there, see? It's coming towards Easter already. Well, how will 2014 play out in this world? What will 2014 have in store for us as individuals? What are your dreams? Do you dream dreams? I was listening to uh, Louis Armstrong. I love some of those songs. What a wonderful world. You know that one, right? Sure. I was looking through the lyrics of that, in fact, last week as well. I see friends waving goodbye. I see children 
See the roses, everything else. What a wonderful world we live in. Well, what are your dreams? What are your hopes for 2014? What are your aspirations in life for 2014? What are your goals? Do you have any particular New Year's resolution for 2014? Have you any resolutions? Anyone? No? Are you serious? Yeah? Okay, that's fine. Or maybe you're a bit shy to raise your hands, right? Um, what's the New Year's resolution for 2014? Maybe this year you want to lose weight and get fit. Membership at this time of the year at gyms are increasing. If you drive down Highbury Road, there's a massive board that says join in because the first month it is free and you will quit. People who join in should not quit because you need to be fit. That's what's written out there. And so the membership levels are growing strong in, in, in gyms, particularly at the beginning of the year. Maybe it is to lose weight. Maybe it is to, to get fit. I know that John is riding his bike. That is New Year's resolution for 2014. Maybe it is to get a better job. Maybe if you're a student, you want to be disciplined with your study habits. You're going to say, I am going to study well this year. Or perhaps it might be that you want to find a spouse, your future husband or your wife. Or maybe it is to get closer to God. Whatever it is, the new year is an opportunity. Well, Rose and myself and Sean, we celebrated New Year. Our other daughter, Tanya, is overseas. In, well, she was in Prague at the time. And Jessica went out somewhere else. Anyway, the three of us went out and we celebrated New Year with about 600,000 people. Now, they are not our friends. <laughs> we went to the city to watch the fireworks. We saw the kiddies' fireworks at 930 and then I tell you what, to stay from 9.30 to 12 is a long time sitting on the Yara River. Boy, boy, alongside the Yara. That is a massive challenge. I said to Rose, maybe we should go home. Anyway, we persevered. We stayed with those around us. We talked. And we saw the fireworks. The first time I've experienced that actually being in the city at that time. And it was a fantastic time. It was a fantastic time. And I reflected upon this because people were wishing one another. We didn't even know who was seated next to us. But everybody was hugging one another. And so I did the thing. I was a happy new year, happy new year. I didn't know who the people were next to me, but happy new year. And then we all made our way to Flinders Street Station. I tell you, that was a challenge as well to get the train. That's our experience for New Year's Eve. And as these people were leaving, I thought about it on, on the next day. All of these people, they're wishing one another is a great spirit, but sure, people are looking for something new, something of hope, something of confidence in the new year. Perhaps 2014 is going to be better than 2013. We want to live a better life, perhaps. And all on, the, on their faces are this, perhaps this great dream, this great vision. 2014 is going to fulfill my dreams, hopes and aspirations in life, and I hope it does. So how can we as Christians face a new year? How can we confidently face 2014? Well, this morning, friends, let's look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. I just titled this message, Confidence in God. It's a very clear title there. We have, the Apostle Paul points the, the Philippian Christians to look beyond themselves by being confident in the good work that God has begun in their lives. And we're going to look at this passage uh, this morning. And that's the text so I'll go back. That's the text for us. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it 
until the day of Christ Jesus. Just a very quick brief note of background to the letter to the Philippians. Our growth groups have already done the book, so you would know the background to this letter. You see, Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians. He was in prison when he wrote this letter. And in the early church, there was uniform acceptance that this was a Pauline letter. The letter is written to the church at Philippi. Let me tell you a little bit about the establishment of the church at Philippi. Paul was the missionary that established the church at Philippi. He is writing to a church that he planted on his second missionary journey when he, along with Silas and Timothy, came across to Europe. This is the first church in Europe and Paul planted it. The historical narrative to the planting of this church is found in Acts chapter 16. And I don't plan to go through the details of Acts 16 today. The Philippian church was very close and very dear to Paul. We see this at the very beginning of the letter in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open, actually, to the letter of Philippians, or your phones if you have it, application of Bibles on your phone, whatever it is, Philippians 1. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, Paul is giving thanks to God for the Philippians and for their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And such expressions of gratitude were common in the first century letters, and Paul regularly began his epistles in this manner. We see this in 1 Corinthians, in Ephesians, in Colossians. However, friends, here at, in, in, to this letter, here at Philippi, there is a special love and a special bond that Paul has with this congregation. His love for this church was so deep that it is evident by his prayers constantly for this church. And one of the chief grounds of this affection was the Philippians' eagerness to partner with Paul in the gospel ministry. Let me say a few things about that. The believers in Philippi took part in the proclamation of the truth of Christ in, the, in word and deed. They also suffered for their faith alongside Paul. They continually pleaded with the Father on Paul's behalf. It's all there in chapter 1. And we cannot forget the Philippians' financial support for, for Paul's ministry in Philippians chapter 4. What a model of ministry. What a wonderful partnership. What a wonderful partnership between the pastor and the congregation. A congregation that is praying for him, a congregation that is supporting the work, a congregation that is working together for the cause of the gospel. So Paul brings that out in this letter. And then he says to them, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It is a passage, friends, this morning that develops the theme of God's preserving grace. I want us to think about that. Of God's preserving grace. A grace that ensures the preservation of God's people. A grace that ensures the perseverance of God's people. So there is preservation and there is perseverance. And that's what we see here in this passage as well. 
And so we want to look at two things, a good work and a work to be completed. The first thing, friends, Paul says here, a good work. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work. I am confident. The Greek word that has been used here is a word that means to be persuaded. It means to be sure. It means to be absolutely and totally convinced. And that's what Paul is saying. He is saying that he is absolutely certain, absolutely convinced of this very thing. He is absolutely convinced of something that God has begun and will do. And this is what he says, that he who began a good work in you, who is that? Who is the he in this passage? It is God. It is God who began a good work in you. And, the, and the, the original word began is a very rare word actually in the scriptures. It's only used twice in the scriptures. It's in Galatians chapter 3 and in this passage. And this work is a reference to salvation. That is, God is the initiator of it. Well, let me highlight some passages from, from the Bible to make this point today. So last Sunday, John Huing spoke from John chapter 1 and verse 12 on the topic, children of God. And in John chapter 1, we have this fantastic passage. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's verse 12. And verse 13, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, John is explaining there to us and to God's people that the belief that they have in Christ is something that God has begun. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. You see, Jesus came to his own and they did not receive him. But to those who receive him, God gives them the right to become the children of God. That's what we have in the passage there. As they receive Christ, it is a wonderful picture here of somebody sitting and receiving someone who comes to your home. It's, it's, it's a concept that we have in the scriptures, particularly in that culture, in the Mediterranean culture. When someone came and stood at your door and knocked at your door, you would open your home and welcome that person. Quite very different to what we would do, wouldn't we? Right? You would welcome that person home and share in the hospitality. And John is using that picture to remind us that when we welcome Jesus into our lives, he will come and dwell with us. And he will make his home with us. And he will abide with us. And as we receive Christ, we become the children of God. It is something that God does himself. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So, he is the initiator here. It was not by genealogy that you believed in Jesus Christ. It's not the bloodline that awakens a person to faith in Christ. No. How is a person brought into the family of God? Who takes the initiative? God does. We don't. It's a gift from him. I want us to see that this morning. There's another passage here in Ephesians chapter 2. 
It's a fantastic passage as well. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You see, a dead person cannot take any initiative. But it is, spiritually speaking, we are dead on arrival. Dr. R.C. Sproul, the great theologian, says this, we are dead on arrival. D-O-A, he says. Spiritually, that is. And God does that awakening in us. As Paul says here, you were dead in your transgressions in which you used to live, but the Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, but God has done a work in bringing us into salvation, and that's what we see here. But because of His great love for us, who is this? God who is rich in mercy, what has He done? What has He done? Made us alive with Christ. When we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Do you see that? Stone dead. Spiritually. And God raises us up from the pit, from the darkness, and brings us into his marvelous light. I'm sure you can testify this morning, those of you who are Christians here, how God has done an amazing work in your life. Has he not? That he has brought us, brought us out from the depths of despair and despondency in our sin and raised us up in Christ. What a wonderful thing is that. A good work that God has done. God has taken the initiative. It's amazing grace. It's marvelous grace. It's redeeming grace. It is wonderful grace. It is abundant grace. That's what we see here. You see, John Newton put it this way, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Grace has brought me safe thus far. And does he stop there? Does he say, and I will go on till the end? No. You know the words quite well. And grace will lead me home. You see? These are the, this is the good work. I'm giving you some passages this morning to encourage us today about the good work that God has begun in your life. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your heart, of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us all our sins. All the good work. Here it is. He's made us alive and he's forgiven us our sins. And God has begun a good work in you. Are you happy about that this morning? Are you rejoicing about God's grace to you? A good work that he has begun in your life? An amazing work that he has begun in you? You were dead in transgressions. I was dead in my transgressions. But we are made alive together with Christ Jesus. Further, Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, we read this passage. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, a good work. God has begun in your life if you are a Christian here this morning. 
Did you see that? God's work is a good work. Because he loves you with an everlasting love. God's work is a great work because it is sealed by the finished work of his son Jesus. God's work is a great work because it is sealed through the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That's what we say. A good work that he has begun. And I think sometimes, friends, we forget this, don't we? We forget it. Because we are so busy, because so many things happening in our lives, we are so caught up with all the daily activities, which is normal, and we forget to sit back and to say, God, I thank you that you have begun a good work in this sinner's life. All because of your grace. A good work. Are you rejoicing in that this morning? See, these are the blessings, friends, that are ours. This is the joy of our salvation. And as I was preparing this text, I was sitting there and saying, Lord, I just want to thank you so much for the good work that you are doing in the lives of your people. The good work that you have begun. This is the joy of our salvation, friends. You see, we can be so depressed in our lives. Life can be so so miserable at times, and that is true. But don't stay in that position. Don't stay depressed, I hope spiritually that is. And, but, but give thanks to God this morning, saying, Lord, you have begun a good work in my life. I have made a new in Christ. I am a new creation in Jesus. You have begun a great work in my life. I want to live a great life for you for the remainder of the hours, the days, or perhaps the years that you may choose to give me. You see, they are the blessings. In Bunyan's The Pilgrim's uh, Progress, we see the portrait he paints of the eternity of God it, uh, that God has secured for every believer. Of the eternity God has secured for every believer. Speaking of the believer's entry into heaven, he writes, I saw in my dream the two men enter the gate. As they did, they were transfigured. They had garments that shined like gold. Harps and crowns were given them. The harps for praise and the crowns for honor. Then I heard in my dream all the bells in the city rang again for joy. It was said to them, Enter into the joy of our Lord. Enter into the joy of our Lord. Friends, this morning, are you rejoicing in those blessings? This is a good work that God has begun in our lives. If you are a Christian here this morning. What a blessing, what an encouragement, what a joy, what a hope, what a confidence that we have in this great God. And because he has begun a good work in our lives, he will give us the grace to face whatever may come our way in life. We don't follow the astrology of the stars do you? <laughs> I'm sure you don't. Because we want to know the future, don't we? People want to know the future. What, what's going to happen next month? What's going to happen at the end of this year? No. Our, our lives are in the hands of God. The God who hold, held the past and the God who holds the future in his hands. We are safe, sound and secure in his hands. What a joy, what a comfort. See, God has begun a good work. 
You see, sometimes we can be like the man who went into a hardware shop to buy a saw. Seeing an easy customer, the salesman showed this man a fancy saw. He said, the salesman said to this guy, it's the best seller that we have so far with all the latest technology and guarantee that it would cut heaps of wood for the day. Well, the inexperienced customer was impressed with the sales hype and bought the chainsaw on the spot immediately. Later that day, the same customer returned to the store. Chainsaw in hand, looking somewhat depressed, exhausted and annoyed. Something is wrong with this saw, he complained to the salesman. I worked as hard as I could and only managed to cut three blocks of wood. I could do more with my old-fashioned saw. This is not working. It's of no use to me. Well, looking confused, the salesman uh, said to this customer, Yeah, let me try, out, try it on some wood that I have kept in the back of the shed here. They went to the wood pile. The salesman pulled the cord and the motor began rowing. The customer leaped back and said, What is that noise? What is that noise? <laughs> he hadn't used the motor. <laughs> He's forgotten the power that's there in that machine to cut through the wood. You see, friends, we can be like that, can't we? Like that exasperated customer attempting to live the Christian life in our own strength. But we have God's power within us, enabling us to do what is otherwise impossible. Do you, do you believe that? God's power through his Holy Spirit, who indwells you, who has kept us safe to the, to the end, to the day of redemption, this is the power that we have. Pray that God will help us to live a powerful life for him. The second thing that we see in this passage is also a, a work that is to be completed. God will complete this good work in our lives. We have that unconditional assurance here. Paul says that God, having begun his good work in the Philippians, and in fact in all Christians, will bring it to completion. You see, God, uh, God works in our lives in a way a craftsman or builder works on to finish a product that he has made or is working on. He smooths out the lines, he clears the rough edges, and puts its pieces together so that it looks beautiful, the end product. We are a work in progress. Have you reached absolute perfection here on earth? I see quite a few heads say no. We haven't reached absolute perfection. We are a work in progress. You will see my faults. And you've seen them. Someone reminded me this morning, actually, Barry asked me, when is my 11th year completed here at St. Stephen's? It's going to be at the end of this month. And you've seen my faults, and I've seen yours. We are a work in progress. And as God's people, we need to recognize that. We need to recognize the, the need to forgive one another. The need to be able to embrace one another in love. The need to be able to say that love covers a multitude of... I say it? Sins. That we are able to look over other people and say, Yes, I'm a work in progress. So is my brother and sister. In Christ. And that together 
we are recognizing that God is doing that work in our lives. And he transforms our lives according to the likeness of Christ. What a beautiful thing that is to have the likeness of Jesus Christ in our lives. We have been praying, Rose and myself, and we've been discussing this, this how important it is for us to have the likeness of Christ shining through our lives. To let the Spirit of God do His work in our lives. That we will be humble before God. That we will be humble before His people. And Christ's likeness will shine through our lives, in our relationships, in the way we live, what we say, and what we do. You see, God is interested in our inward qualities. Things like refining my faith, humbling my heart, cleaning up my thought life, strengthening my character to growing godliness. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, he says this, God does not merely initiate the work and then leave it. He continues with it. He leads us on directing and manipulating our circumstances, restraining us at one time and urging us on at another time. This is what we see here. So friends, let me encourage us to work out this salvation as Paul says um, in the next passage there. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, we have the text in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in, in order to fulfill his good purpose. That's the preserving grace. We don't sit around and say, yes, God's doing this good work in my life, and so I can get on this hammock and just rest there. You might want to do that. (laughs) But we are called also to engage, to read the scriptures, to pray, to get to know God, to, to let the Spirit of God work in your life. That's what it is. So, Where do we go with this? Paul says, God is going to complete this work. And notice the passage, very clearly what he says here. There is something connected to this in verse 6b. He carried to completion until the day of, what's the text saying to us? Christ Jesus. You see, if I was to use theological terms, I'll do it this way and explain it to you very quickly. That is justification, that is that we are made right with God through faith in Christ alone. That's a big word, justification. Made right with God, a forensic, legal term, made right. Then there is what we call a process of sanctification. That is that the Holy Spirit works in our lives daily, transforming us into the likeness and image of Jesus. That is a process until we die. And then, there is one more thing. When Christ returns, what theologians call glorification. That is, we will be glorified with God, with Christ, made new completely. With, and Paul speaks about this in this very letter, in chapter 3. That we will receive a new body, a glorious body. And that at that time, God will make complete His work. It will be perfected. You will be a perfect, redeemed, Child of God, complete, no more sin, nothing. Isn't that amazing? And made fit to live in the new heavens and the new earth. What a glorious hope that is. When Christ returns, the day of Christ is when Jesus will return. Friends, are you longing for that day? 
Are you putting that hope in Jesus? John Calvin was who said this, the Reformed theologian, there is nothing that ought to render us more active or cheerful in doing good than the hope of the future resurrection. And believers ought always to have their eyes fixed on it, that they may not grow weary in the right course. So as we close this morning, as we face the new year 2014, I want to encourage us to face it with confidence. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in our God. Give thanks this morning that if you are a Christian, then God has begun a new work in your life. If you are not a Christian here this morning, then commit your life to Jesus today. Say, Lord, you have given me a brand new year, 2014. I have not committed my life to Jesus Christ as yet. I want to be your child. Forgive me for my sins. Make me your child. Because you have done everything for me at the cross. Be confident. Chuck Swindle, the great writer, says this, Emmanuel, God with us, he who resided in heaven, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, willingly descended into our world. He breathed our air, felt our pain, knew our sorrows, and died for our sins. He didn't come to frighten us, but to show us the way to warmth and safety. Friends, as we go out into this world, as we face an unknown future, let us be reminded of this text here. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It will be made perfect. What a blessing. Eh? What a great joy that one day this earthly life comes to an end. We know where we will be and who we will see because we will be where our Savior is now and always. What a blessing. Amen.